Did you know that you can help us produce new seasons of our podcasts and audio series? At Studio Chenta, we just launched a new series of audiobooks based on our podcasts, and they're currently for sale. There are many titles available from romantic comedy to horror, true crime, communication and linguistics, food and lifestyle, migration stories, and much, much more. Available in Spanish, English, Italian, and French. Check out our full catalog at ochentestudio.com slash audiobooks. And find the titles on apps like Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobook app. Thank you so much for supporting our work. When we talk about travel, we talk about the beautiful places we went to, the people we met, and the things we bought as souvenirs. But we never really stop to think about what happens behind the scenes. But that's about to change. Because travel is about seeing the world differently, and this podcast is going to show you how. Hi, I'm Kiona, and this is the How Not to Travel podcast. Today we're going to talk about travel expectations. Let's get into it. Does anyone speak English around here? I'm in a hostel in Thailand. A tourist is speaking to a Thai receptionist at 10 decibels higher than his normal voice as if she is hard of hearing. The receptionist replies in perfect English. This man expected the person in front of him not to speak English. When they did, he was shocked into silence. And that's not the only expectation travelers are guilty of having. I've seen people complaining about restaurants being closed during Ramadan in Muslim-majority countries, and others demanding gluten-free products in a country known to have food shortages. When we travel, we are exiting our comfort zone, where everything is just how we like it. But a lot of travelers seek to recreate that comfort when they arrive in a new place, expecting the world to bend at their will regardless of local customs or traditions. And that is why managing travel expectations is so important. Here we go. As someone working in the hospitality business managing multiple rental properties, I come across unrealistic expectations from tourists pretty regularly. For example, I recently interacted with a couple from Brazil who demanded a brand new air-conditioned taxi in Cuba from their host. Despite being a home, not a taxi service, the host still did a complimentary call and ordered them a new taxi. One from the 70s. I'm not sure if you know, but Cuba has been under an embargo since the 60s and only really have old cars. Finding an air-conditioned taxi is complicated, to say the least. To the host, a car from the 70s was new enough to him. But instead of being grateful for the ride, the guests wrote an 800-word scathing review of the host rental property for not ordering the air-conditioned taxi of their dreams. There was also an American couple who stayed on a farm and then promptly canceled the reservation and demanded a full refund because they found gnats in their room. Gnats! like those small little bugs that come in every time you have fruit in the house. Did they think living in a farm state came with no insects or animals whatsoever? I also once witnessed an absolute meltdown when an Australian man refused to use a squat toilet in Myanmar. He demanded a sit-down toilet, complete with toilet paper. Do you see the issue of managing expectations here? 
Setting a standard on what to expect according to your destination is incredibly important not only to the mental peace of the traveler, but to maintain a level of respect for the land you're traveling on and the people you're interacting with. Managing one's expectations also means being open to learning rather than imposing, uplifting rather than impressing, and being helpful rather than hurtful. This is where cultural relativism comes into play. Cultural relativism is the concept that a person's culture, beliefs, values, and practices is best understood based on that person's own culture rather than be judged against the criteria of another. Basically, for people who believe or live by cultural relativism, every culture is equal, so no one culture is better than anyone else's. The opposite of cultural relativism is ethnocentrism, which basically places a hierarchy on culture by judging another culture based on preconceptions that are found in the values and standards of one's own culture, especially regarding language, behavior, customs, and religion. The man demanding English being spoken to him the man horrified at the idea of using a squat toilet, people who are offended by political situations or religious practices are all practicing ethnocentrism. Of course, most people are constantly shifting between the two without realizing it, especially travelers. Let's take a look at the custom of taking off shoes in the house in Hawaii. Shoes track dirt into the home, and the home is a sacred space for cleansing. I personally do not wear shoes in the house. And when I go into other people's homes, I ask them what they prefer before stepping inside. So what happens when college students from mainland United States come to Hawaii and are paired with students from Hawaii and don't take off their shoes? Let's hear from this university professor. So a lot of the students, for example, at the university when they have to live together, this is a huge thing for them because it's like they'll come up to the people who are assigning rooms and say, hey, don't hook me up with the mainlanders because... They just don't respect us, you know, they, they'll always come in with their shoes on. And so you have to kind of teach the locals to become more assertive to tell the mainland people to take off their shoes before they come into the house. Cultural sensibility is so important that there are entire business courses taught in this. For example, Germans are direct and blunt in their business dealings whereas Italians may enjoy building a relationship outside of business beforehand. Or, while the British might enjoy shaking hands, the Japanese might prefer bowing and not touching. Each culture has different cultural norms, and we must respect them in order to create connection and bridge gaps in understanding. Here's someone discussing how she embraced cultural relativism in a business setting. I was on a business trip to China representing an American telecom company. And at the end of our stay, we wanted to uh, give our guides and translators um, tip because that's uh, customary and respectful and we made sure that we gave our tips or money monetary tips uh, in a red envelope because that's a display of good luck as well as making sure that the denomination that we gave them would end in a number eight for example we would give them $48 versus $40 because that's that brings good luck and it's respectful. And just think, these are small things. A lack of cultural relativism has the power to drive global ideas and laws against certain cultures. For example, the consumption of dog meat has gone on since the beginning of time across the world. From the Aztecs in Mexico, to the Talensi people of Ghana, to the Yulin Festival of China. 
Eating dog is considered not only a delicacy, but also medicinal and highly regarded, still to this day. This tradition has spanned millennia. However, when Europeans decided to domesticate dogs, they stopped consuming dog meat and then decided it was taboo to consume animals that they chose as household pets. Since the conquering of Columbus and the spreading of European ideals, the practice of not eating dog and shaming other cultures for doing so has led to entire cultures being deemed as savages or detestable for their own traditional practices. If we look at it the other way around, Hindus in India do not eat cow and consider it a sacred animal, but they don't berate Europeans for the consumption of beef. Ethnocentrism can be problematic and place a hierarchy and value on entire cultures based on cultural perceptions. That's why managing our expectations is of utmost importance when it comes to the power and privilege we hold of judging other people's cultural practices. When we don't approach travel with an understanding of cultural sensitivity and cultural relativism, we close ourselves off to connection with another culture and to the intersection of those connections too. If you don't manage expectations beforehand, not only will you get disappointed, you spread that disappointment to everyone around you. So before going anywhere, do some research. It is not the responsibility of the other culture to provide you with a complete education. Understand what their cultural norms are and research their economic or political situations. And if you end up in a situation you weren't expecting, remember to manage thy expectations. You are not at home, so don't expect it to be home. And don't bring your oppressive habits with you. If you make a mistake, totally cool. Approach it with humility. Acknowledge your mistake and thank them for the education. Maybe even express your gaps in understanding beforehand if you don't completely understand something. Embracing the new, the unknown, the strange is really a gift. This hands-on travel education is one of the biggest privileges a person could ask for. So for the love of travel, embrace it. This episode was produced by Studio Ochenta, hosted and researched by me, Dr. Kiona. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez, and the music was done by Gabriel Damaso. Art was done by Tiffany DeLune. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Not to Travel Pod and at How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch. And for more shows from the rest of the team at Studio Ochenta, check out ochentastudio.com. Thank you, thank you for staying on past the credits. Welcome to Dr. Kiki's shoutout section. This is the part where we reward you with some dope educators that I've learned from along the way. A huge shout out to Temporary Provisions, who is always checking people's privileges and cultural relativism. My favorite post of hers was explaining the expectation of Wi-Fi and eco-lodges in Costa Rica and water outages in a water-scarce outskirt in Mexico. Another shout out to Zalika, who hilariously explains what people in the United States expect versus what is the norm for her in Liberia and how she oscillates between her two identities. My favorite posts of hers are when she describes church in Liberia versus church in the United States and how she believes in short religious celebrations so she can take a nap. And that's a wrap. See you right back here in two weeks.